We will now read together from our confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 49. That's on page 556 of the Book of Praise. Lord's Day 49. There the question is asked about the Lord's Prayer. There's one petition. What is the third petition? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may deny our own will and without any murmuring obey your will for it alone is good grant also that everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven after the sermon we will sing from Psalm 40 the stanzas 3, 4 and 7 Let me start off by asking you, young people who have just started school, a question. Suppose there is someone in your class who is not very popular. Let's say it's a boy. His name is Orville. Orville is a serious boy. It's obvious that Orville wants to be a good Christian, but he is also somewhat shy and withdrawn, He doesn't participate in the same way as most others do. He acts a little bit different. Others can sense a certain weakness in him. For that reason, there's a group in your class that picks on him. They take joy in teasing him and putting him on the spot. They try to have fun at his expense. Orpho would be surprised would be somewhat upset and sad about the treatment that he is receiving, wouldn't he? How do you think Orville should deal with this? Should he now think that that is the way people are and that therefore he has to accept that kind of behavior? Should he think to himself, well, that's the way it is in this sinful world. I don't know how to change the behavior of my fellow students and so I shall just let it be. It must be the will of God that this happens to me. His will be done. Is that the right response? Is that the will of God? Let me tell you another story. A story about a minister I read about in preparation for the sermon who describes the time that he led a funeral service. He writes that as he made his way through the cemetery and walked among the many grave tones, that he noticed all different kinds, new stones and old stones, dull and weathered stones, shiny and polished stones. Here and there he saw some fresh flowers. And then he came upon one small white wooden cross which served as a marker of the grave of a little child. And on that white cross he saw the words, Your will be done. And so, writes this minister, Through that small white wooden cross you saw the thoughts of a father and a mother with tears in their eyes and with a heart full of sorrow bowing their heads and who after many questions and much struggle said to the Lord, Your will be done. 
Is that what we refer to when we refer to the will of God? What exactly is the will of God? Is it his will that little children die? Is it his will that we suffer at the hands of others? See if you can answer these questions as you listen to the sermon this afternoon. I will preach to you about the fulfillment of God's will in our lives. Then we will look at three things. First of all, God's will. Secondly, my will. And then finally, the fulfillment of God's will. This is not the first time that we deal with the will of God in the Heidelberg Catechism. For example, it says in Lord's Day 1, question and answer 1, that without the will of my Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. But we should not confuse what it says there about the will of God with what it says here in Lord's Day 49 about the will of God. For you see, the one is speaking about a different thing than the other. Lord's Day 1 deals with the fact that nothing happens by chance, that everything in God's, is in God's control, that he has a plan for everybody and everything. He has your life and my life so in his hands that absolutely nothing can happen that he does not know or care about. Nothing happens outside of his knowledge. And so that is why it may even be better to speak about the fact that not a hair can fall from my head without God knowing about it, without his knowledge. It's all within his control. And even though he allows it to happen, he does not really want this to happen. For do you really think that he wants little children to die? Do you think that he wants those people in third world countries to suffer from hunger and disease? Do you think that he delights in the destruction and misery that occurs because of earthquakes and tsunamis? That he wants terrorists to blow up airplanes or buildings? That he wants little boys and girls to be sad because they're being teased? That he wants three-year-old children to be abducted, as happened just recently in British Columbia? Of course not. However, it may seem like that to us. For did the Lord Jesus not allow evil to happen to him? He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Think about how it went. Just before his crucifixion, the Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed to his Father in heaven. He's afraid. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what agony he will have to endure. He is full of dread and fear. And we read in Luke 22 verse 44 that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. For he knows that he is about to experience the agony of hell. He is going to be cut off from his father in heaven. His father in heaven is going to abandon him. He cannot imagine greater agony than that. And then nevertheless he comes with the prayer. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And then he gets up and he walks right into, his, into the arms of his enemies. The Lord Jesus had every opportunity to hide himself from them. As the Son of God, he could command tens of thousands of angels to protect him. But he doesn't do it. He gets up and allows himself to be captured. 
He allows himself to be humiliated and to be abused. He allows himself to be put to death even and to be abandoned by his Father in heaven. But why? Why did he allow that to happen? Well, he allowed that to happen, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, because he does not want suffering and death to be part of our lives. Because he does not want any kind of evil to happen in our lives. The Lord Jesus came to earth so that he could do away with that. He came to do away with evil and everything to do with evil. He also came to do God's will. But what is the will of God? For please understand what that means. When we speak about the will of God, then we speak about the fact, and that's what this Lord's Day is about, is that he wants us to be obedient. That's what we pray when we pray, your will be done. And that's what he wanted, first of all, for his son. And what was the will of the God the Father for his son? It was his will that his son come to this sinful world for the very reason to do with evil and sin. The Son came to earth with a very special task. And only He could fulfill that task. He is the only one who could do that. None of us could do what the Son of God did. And God does not expect that from us either. If He did, we would all fail. He would utterly fail. And so he gave that very difficult task to his perfect son. He gave it to him so that we would not have to endure the suffering and pain that he had to endure. And that's why the Lord Jesus also performed the miracles that he did. He came to heal the sick and to bind up the brokenhearted. He came to set prisoners free. Those who are held captive by their, own, by their own sins, by their own compulsive evil desires. He came to forgive the sins of those who are weighed down by their own sins. He came to seek those who were lost. He came to give life to those who are dead. He came not just to give eternal life for the soul, but also to give eternal life for the body. And that's why he rose Lazarus from the dead. For he's the God of life. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that is the will of God. Come to the second point. Do you know what the will of Satan is? To thwart the will of God. In other words, he wants to do everything he can to sabotage the will of God. And he wants to use you and me in order to achieve that goal. He wants all of us to be in his grip. And that is clear from what the Lord Jesus said to Peter. The Lord Jesus said that he was going to suffer and to die, and after three days to be raised from the dead. And Peter said to him, Lord Jesus, that's not going to happen. Peter did not understand the will of God. And that by asking that question, he is going against the will of God. And so the Lord Jesus tells him 
that he, in this way, is an agent of Satan himself. Indeed, Satan. For that is what Satan wants. Satan does not want the Lord Jesus to go to the cross. He does not want him to be victorious over death. He wants to do everything in his power to prevent that. And note well that Peter was very well intended in stating what he did. Peter thought that he was being loyal and considerate. He thought that he was seeking the good of the Lord Jesus by not wanting him to suffer. So what he did, what did he do wrong? He did not consider the will of God. But, brothers and sisters, that's what we have to do every step of our lives. In the things we say and in the things we do. In our planning and in our consideration for others. Always we have to ask what the Lord's will is in everything. For our will is often in conflict with God's will. And that is because we look at things from an earthly perspective. Just like Peter did. And that is why we have to pray to God constantly that His will be done. That's not something that Saul did. The Lord God told Saul to destroy the Amalekites. They're the enemies of God. Saul had to destroy them totally, including their cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. But what did Saul do? He disobeyed. He thought better. He kept alive Agag, their king, and did not destroy their cattle. Saul kept his own counsel. He had a direct command from the Lord, but he did not obey him. And so Samuel, the prophet of God, pronounces the punishment of God, namely that God will reject him as king. That may seem like severe punishment to you, especially as you consider that Saul admits his sin and asks for forgiveness. And so, what is the problem? Well, the Lord God looks at the heart of Saul and at his intent. Saul's heart is not right. Saul is an arrogant man who is after the honor and glory for himself. And that is clear also from the monument that he made for himself. What does it say? It says that he made it for his own honor. Saul did not recognize God's preeminence over everything. Saul did not live to the honor and glory of God, but he lived to his own glory. That was his way of life. That was his way of thinking. For that was evident from everything he said and did. The Lord God saw right through him. Even though he asked for the forgiveness of sins. Why do you think he asked for the forgiveness of sins? Only so that he could maintain his position as king. Not because he was remorseful. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the Lord God wants obedience. He doesn't delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as such. In other words, he doesn't delight in our pious works as such. He only delights in our good works when our hearts are in it. That is why he accepted the offer of Abel and not of Cain. The Lord God wants obedience from the heart. And indeed, it's very difficult for us to be, to be obedient, isn't it? That was also the case with Peter. 
And that's why the Lord Jesus even calls him Satan. But the Lord Jesus knew how much Peter wanted to serve the Lord. He knew him to be a humble man who knew the enormity of his sins and who would repent from them time and time and time again. Isn't that what he did, for example, after he denied the Lord Jesus three times after his punishment and arrest? Peter repented. And he repented not because he wanted to maintain his own position, not because he wanted to have the honor and glory for himself, but because he truly loved the Lord Jesus, because he really did want to do God's will, because he wanted God's will to be fulfilled in his life. We come to the third point. Saul's heart was not right. And therefore, when he inquired of the Lord and called upon him in prayer, the Lord God was silent. He did not answer him by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. God did not listen to him. Why? Because in his heart he was trying to further his own kingdom and not God's kingdom. He was so busy with earthly things that God played only a secondary role in his life. In everything he put himself first. In Saul's life it was all about his honor, his throne, his kingdom. He sought his own way and not God's way. And so God turned away from him. This may disturb you a little, for it may make you wonder whether or not you yourself are right before God. For there are also times when we pray to God and it seems to us that he is silent, that he does not hear us. For example, we pray that our cancer be taken away, or that someone whom we dearly love repent from their sin and return to God and his people. But it doesn't happen. We pray for sunshine and rain comes. We pray for rain and sunshine comes. We pray that a way can be found to get out of financial difficulties and adversions. We pray for better relationship with those who are near and dear to us, but it doesn't happen. And so, what's wrong with us? Are we like Saul? Have we done something wrong that God rejects us? Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, please understand what prayer is all about. When you pray that God's will be done, then that is that prayer with which you start every day. Every day you have to begin by praying that God's will be done. And when you pray that, then it is a prayer when you ask God to be near to you. That you want God to be right beside you throughout the whole day. That you truly want His will to function through you. And that you truly want to understand how God is working in your life no matter what happens to you. Then you pray to the Lord, teach me to walk in accordance with your will. Oh Lord, I want to be on your side. I want what you want. How do you know what God wants? Well, by listening to his voice, by studying his word, by seeking God's will for you in every step and moment of your life. And that takes training. And that is why you need to be busy with God's word all the time. You need to read God's word every day, but not just read it, also reflect on it. And that's what you have to do in your homes. 
And that's also what we do in our schools. We need to be trained in God's will. And for that reason, we need to be in church every Sunday, twice if you can. And you need to be at the study societies. You need to be trained every day in God's will. Satan is always trying to draw us away. He wants us to be filled up with earthly things. He wants us to be filled up with what this world has to offer. He wants us to desire material wealth. He wants us to keep going back to the sin in paradise, namely to do what we want and not what God wants. Because if that's how we conduct ourselves, then he's got us. And if he don't watch us, watch it, then he's got us forever. And so we need to repent. We need to repent as David did, humbling ourselves before God and also rejoicing in the gift of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. David was a man after God's heart. Time and again we read that in the scriptures. God was delighted with him. Do you know why? Because he was so good in keeping the will of God? No, that was not the reason. Because David too realized that in all things he is dependent on God. Therefore David loved God and wanted to do his will. At one time King David was in a large cave with his men. I'm sure you know the story. And he was hiding from Saul. And then Saul came into that cave as well. As it says to relieve himself. To cover his feet, as it says in another translation. It appeared that God gave Saul into David's hands to do with him whatever he wants. That's also what the men with him said to him. Look, David, God has placed him in your hands. That can be a coincidence. But how would those men know what God wants? That was their wish. And they were angry and afraid of him. For Saul wanted them that. He did not want David to become king. And so they wanted David to kill Saul. But David said, that is no reason for me to kill him. David knew that Saul was the anointed one of God. And he could not follow his own heart. David's love for God protected him from the hatred that was in his own heart. Let's now go back a moment to that boy, Orville, in my example at the beginning of my sermon. What should he do? As the other students pester him. Should he allow them to do that? Now that you have heard the sermon, what do you think, boys and girls? Well, it would not be good for him to retaliate, would it? It would be wrong for him to try to get them back. For then he would be doing what he wants. And then he would be following his own passions. And then he would be just like that group of bullies. To be at the receiving end of those who delight in having you humiliated is very difficult. It is very hard to deal with evil. But when evil comes, when people hurt you, it is especially then that you have to pray to God. You have to learn that already when you are young. So that when you are older, you also learn how to do that. You put these things to God. 
For the Lord Jesus can sympathize with us. If there's anybody that's seen evil, it is him. And you have to pray just like he does, that his will be done. And what is his will? Well, as we saw, it is not that others do wrong against us. But then you pray to the Lord God for the strength and the wisdom to see how you can win others over. How you can keep from becoming angry and bitter. And that means that you have to try to be kind. In spite of the fact that they are hurting you. And that may also mean that you have to tell others. Your teacher, your parents. But you do all those things without wanting to be spiteful. You do it because you care about God's will for yourself and also for others. That also the others learn from you how to do God's will. And sometimes if you do wrong, that also means that you need to be punished. Whatever measures need to be taken, God's will be done. The Lord Jesus says that God's will must be done on earth as it is in heaven. Perhaps you remember a sermon from a little while ago where I preached about a citizenship that we have already now in heaven. Referring to the fact that the laws and the rules are laid down there where God and his angels dwell and that God wants to conduct ourselves as if we already live in heaven. Oh sure, that's impossible for us right now. We're such sinful people, the abusers and the abused alike. For ultimately, we're all abusers and bullies, aren't we? But God wants us to press on. He wants us to try to seek the perfection that already exists in heaven. Even though we are incapable of it, we have to keep on trying and not to give up. And that is why we have to pray every day, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is only those who desire heaven here on earth who will experience the perfect heaven in the life hereafter. And so we have to repent every day and work for the repentance of others as well. That's God's will. And His will be done. Always. Amen.